Hello and welcome to the Theology Meets Reality podcast, the podcast for people who seek to follow Christ in the midst of the messiness of life and parenting. We are Lisa and Greg Casimir, and we are not afraid to deviate from the norm of culture, even Christian culture, to make sure that we are applying what we believe about God to how we live. Welcome to episode 16. We're beginning a new series for discussion today. We are going to be discussing common phrases and sayings in culture and in the church and putting them to the test of scripture. We will also discuss them in relation to the church and parenting, getting back to our roots of discussing scripture, culture, church, and parenting. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Greg. Hi, Lisa. Oh, my gosh. We were laughing before we started recording because we podcast at night after our kids go to bed because... That's the only time. Free time. Well, that's the only time that's quiet. Right. And we don't have sufficient lighting <laughs> where we are <laughs> in whatever room we happen to be in. <laughs> we lived here 10 years. And so like... We've gotten really close to putting things somewhere. Like lights. Yeah. yeah. And so we're like really podcasting in the dark. Like I have a part of my space, like some of my paper is in the light, but some is in the shadows. (laughs) (laughs) And then yours is like, I'm mostly shadow in the shadows. I was I was reviewing reviewing by by cell phone flash earlier, uh, just so I could read it without, you know. I I like honestly though, like I'm super weird about lights. So, yeah, <laughs> I know people will be like, you should just buy like a lamp. No, 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 we, it's not that. Simple. No, we used to have a, uh, a floor lamp back in the day. Um, but I think the base like broke and it wasn't like it's, you have a, we have a ceiling fan and it yeah. casts shadows and they twirl and basically we need like, um, in the ceiling lighting, what's that called? Recess lighting. <laughs> yes. Uh, but we haven't gotten that yet. No. it's There's other things to do. Yeah. So. That's, Welcome behind the scenes. That's where we're at. <laughs> in the dark. So. Um, yeah. And today we're not going to start with our usual quote of the day. Quote of the podcast. So put your pens down. There's no quote of the podcast because we're talking about like a phrase, like a phrase for each podcast that we're going to discuss as Greg mentioned in the intro, but I'm going to start out with a story time. Story time. That's related. Get your popcorn. Related to the phrase. Okay. So we're going way back to when I was in high school and I went to a Catholic high school, even though I wasn't Catholic and I really liked it. Well, my memories now are that I really liked it. So it doesn't really matter what the, <laughs> what you would have said on a particular day. But I really liked the high school and um it was really it was a really good place for me to be for a lot of reasons. We took um every semester we had to take a religion class. And some t- a couple semesters I took more than one because I like religion classes. I'm like also that should have been a sign that like, I mean, I knew I liked religion classes. Anyway, I ended up like going to seminary much later. But anyway, we had really good. We actually had really good classes. And because of the fact that I wasn't Catholic, I feel like I 
got to kind of like examine it and like decide, well, do I, do I think this is right or is it not right? And like, anyway, there was a lot of really good teaching in the classes. That's good. Yeah. Like in one of our Bible classes, we learned about Q, which is a source that the synoptic gospels like likely use. You know how there's like very similar or almost like exact wording in some of the synoptic gospels. So that points to like, there was probably a source that they all use that we don't have. Hmm. And they call it Q. Like I learned about that in high school. Isn't that cool? That is cool. I learned about a lot of cool stuff. And I learned about, there was a class called Justice Service, which was kind of like about social justice. Before social justice was either cool or terrible, depending on who you ask. Um, Yeah. And I learned about stuff like, like on the wall, (laughs) they had a poster that said, why do we kill people who kill people to show that killing people was wrong? And I was like, oh so my, deep. <laughs> oh my gosh, like my 14 year old mind is blown right now because, you know, they're against capital punishment. Anyway, it was really cool opportunity. So in 10th grade, sophomore year, I took a morality class. I can't remember the name of the teacher, but he was like a brother, which was cool because he was like on the way to becoming a priest. You Because mm. like for the first five years, you take vows for one year at a time and then after five years you decide if you want to take vows for life and he actually never took the vows for life but anyway he was my morality teacher and in my morality class i don't remember a lot from it but what i remember is that we learned the ends don't justify the means that phrase the ends don't justify the means that's like a true moral teaching that we learned in sophomore year and so lately I've seen things come up where people are like compromising what the way they're getting to something for the end that they're trying to get to. Like I've seen that in Christian circles and then in of course like the culture. So I'm saying to Greg lately, like don't people know the ends don't justify the means. Like didn't they learn this in high school? And Greg says, no, (laughs) no, they didn't. And I'm like, they should have. No, (laughs) we were too busy reading marginal to terrible books in English and poetry, uh, relearning the same period of history. Yeah. Tell us how you feel about your public school and, experience. I mean, the public school experience was great. Like, it was a free education, but like, you, you get what you pay for. Um, so, so there was no religion class. There's no morality. There's no morality. And obviously... And like, also, like, sorry, the, <laughs> the prevailing... Uh, thought on that is that the ends do justify the means is what culture puts forth. Yes. Which we'll talk about. And unfortunately, like you see that seep into the church, which is the same thing, like, because we see all culture seep in the church because we're sinful human beings. That's why we have this podcast to root it out and get rid of it in our own lives, at least. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. To, to help people test things against scripture and yeah. realize, Oh wait, that's actually, not a great thing to do in my life or think. Right. So we're going to start by kind of like talking about that phrase. What does it mean? The ends don't justify the means. So it's actually in the dictionary. I didn't even know there were phrases in the dictionary, but yeah, the online dictionary. Craig's giving me like, sorry, you can't see my squinty eyes of like, really? That's well on the online Merriam Webster. It says that the ends don't justify the means means, or maybe it's the other one. What's the other one? The, the ends do justify the means. I have to think about which one it says. 
It says it's used to say that a desired wrong, a desired result is so good or important that any method, even a morally bad one may be used to achieve it. Okay. So that's the ends justify, justify the, the means. means. Yeah. You, that's used to say a desired result is so good or important that any method, even a morally bad one's used to achieve it. So, you know, is it okay to like lie to like save someone's life? Like then there's all these like philosophical, ridiculous questions or people will be like, well, what about this situation? Like, would you save a baby and like rob a bank to save a baby or something? We're not going to be talking about those <laughs> those things today. You would download a car, would you? <laughs> download a car? Yeah, sorry. It's like completely unrelated, but it's just one of those. It's like a ridiculous phrase from when like everyone is upset about kids downloading music for free and that it's like piracy <laughs> and they're like you wouldn't download a car and everyone's like i would absolutely download a car <laughs> like are you kidding me can i download a car right now because that sounds great yeah i would download a car for free is there one available right like do, does it just come out of my printer like i have to eject the cd tray like how do i get the car once i download it that was that was a long time ago <laughs> um we lived before the internet well napster was the internet napster was like fledgling internet Yes, we lived. Yeah, well, we did live. Well, we we, we lived, lived before, before the internet. <laughs> I I stand by my statement. All right, all right. So we're from the before time. Yes. All right. So that's what it means when you say that the ends justify the means. So the question is: Is this believed? Like, is this true? Is it scriptural? Is it biblical? We're going to talk about that today. So first, we're going to talk about. Is it biblical? And I have to clarify which version of the thing I'm saying. Okay. The ends don't justify the means is what I'm declaring is biblical. The idea that saying the ends justify the means is not biblical. Is that clear? Yes. Okay, cool. We are, we are standing on the ends do not justify the means. Yes. side that that is scriptural it is biblical so here's what i came up with when i was trying to figure out okay where can we find this in scripture where can we get like wisdom from god on this basically i couldn't think of any scripture in which god instructs something to do something in any way necessary or where god's okay with someone compromising which i think compromising is sinning because they're doing something good like let me know if you can think of an example where God's like, you can do that any way you want as long as you get this done. Or it's fine that you like compromised as long as you got what I wanted you to do done. I can't think of any instance in scripture where that happens. There are many examples where someone in the Bible takes things into their own hands and they do act as if the ends justify the means and then God condemns them for it. So one easy scripture that I came up with was like John 18 verses 10 to 11 when Jesus is getting arrested in the garden and Peter takes off his, takes his sword and cuts off the soldier's ear. And I believe that Peter thought he was doing a good thing, right? Like he thought he was defending Jesus. Exactly. So he was trying to be good, but Jesus didn't think that was good. Jesus rebuked him. And interesting thing in this one is that even though Peter thought that, the point, the end, the conclusion, like the desired result was save Jesus. He didn't even have the, the correct desired result. Like even someone following Jesus had the wrong end in mind, which I think we can totally fall into that trap too. Like we don't even know where God's going with this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
So that's a whole nother problem with it. Another idea that I thought of is the story of Abraham. So Abraham in Genesis 12, when he's going up before Pharaoh, he lies to protect himself, which is a sin by saying that his wife was his sister, right? Do you remember that yep. story? Yep. It was only a small lie because she was his half sister. So Abraham might argue it was just like, he left out some information, but he sinned. And even though he was trying to protect himself and maybe Sarah, like that was still wrong. God didn't say you're fine lying because you have a good, a good thought behind that. Another example is when Sarai takes matters into her own hands to send Hagar to Abram to try to get an heir through her. Remember God told Abram that there will be like, you will have an heir and you'll have many descendants, but they were getting old and Sarah couldn't have children. And so Sarah thought, well, I'll just, this is what God says is going to happen. So I'm going to help it along by sending Hagar, right? Right. But God doesn't tell us to just, that we need to get to the end by any means. In fact, God rebukes her unbelief in Genesis 18 and says, is anything impossible for the Lord? So I think that when you think that ends can justify the means, it's more than just like an opinion or kind of a difference in philosophy. I think it's really a false theology because when we think that the ends justify the means, the implication is that we are the one who creates the ends. Like, we are the one who makes the desired result. And I think that's a false theology. Well, at the very least, it's like uh, thinking far too highly of ourselves and our ability to exact any kind of um, control over outcomes. Right, because when we think that we're the ones who create the ends, then we think we are God. Sure. So, so a great example is the idea of, um, well, so if God wanted to rid the world of poor people, because we know God cares about poor people, he could just do it right away, right? And he doesn't tell us to rid the world of poor people. Like that's the end result that there were, no one would be poor, but he tells us to care for the poor. Right. Right. And he says the poor, you will always have the poor. Well, that's another thing. Yeah. He actually isn't going to rid the world of the poor until the end of time because that's what he chooses to do. So he doesn't tell us to do the end and he's not even going to do the end until Jesus comes back when we're talking about poverty but we are called to do something in the meantime, which is care for the poor. So we're supposed to care for the poor, even though the end getting rid of the poor is like never going to happen. We're still supposed to do the middle part. So one of the things I found that I think is kind of the most, the strongest argument for this ends don't justify the means being biblical is like what God calls us to do. There's so many things mandated in scripture that we're supposed to do and they're not end things. They're not, complete this like when we're in school we say complete this assignment turn it in right right finish this project achieve this objective you know we have all these goals lose 50 pounds god never says something that's like or at least i couldn't think of something that was like an end thing i could think of i don't know i thought of like 20 things off the top of my head that i know are mandated in scripture pray always be thankful in everything live at peace with everyone as far as it depends on you 
act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with God, serve the Lord, bear one another's burdens, care for the poor, the orphan, the widow, make disciples, show hospitality, honor your parents, love one another, etc. None of those things are like complete a result. They're like process things, right? Right. It's something that you're going to do. You're going to start doing and you will continue doing it your whole life. Yeah. And, and he doesn't tell us to get to a result. Like there's never, this doesn't say, uh, you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah. So the, 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 the goal of doing those things is to like continue growing in likeness of Christ become more like Christ by doing those things, but we will not be fully in the likeness of Christ this side of heaven. So, yeah, they, there is no end goal there. Like you will never be fully like Christ because we are still in these sinful bodies. Right. Or, or, or yeah, exactly. Um, so, in a lot of ways, this is really, really freeing because we don't, like, we're not responsible for the result. We're responsible for faithfulness. We're supposed to be thankful and everything. We're supposed to love mercy, right? But we don't have to be responsible for the intended, like, for any intended result. Does that make sense? Yeah, we're just called to do these things. Yeah, so we can live, like, a life of faithful evangelism and never save a soul. Right, because it's not up to us to save the soul. Like, we just have to witness. Yeah, because we would have done our job. Um, and we can live a life that's kind, that shows kindness and is merciful and gracious, but still have the culture, like, receive us with hate. God determines the ends, but we're supposed to be faithful to what God calls us to do. So, should I do the tomato? Do you want to hear a tomato seed analogy? Sure. Okay. So, if I gave you a tomato seed and, like, put it in your hand and told you, turn this seed into a tomato... And give it back to me. Like you couldn't do that right now. Right. You can't make a tomato seed into a tomato. However, you could take the tomato seed and then plant it in the ground and water it and care for it and all those things. And more than likely a tomato would come out of it via miracle. But you don't make the tomato. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you can give it like the opportunity to grow into a tomato, but it may or may not turn into a tomato because that's something God does and we can't do. Right. You could end up with a tomato plant that just doesn't actually produce tomatoes. You could. So I think we just need to remember our place. I think sometimes we tend to jump ahead and go, well, here's what we need to accomplish and therefore we can... We, it's worth it to compromise this. And it's kind of like, let's back up a little bit here because we can't make tomatoes. Do you know what I mean? Like we're way too focused on the end if we're already trying to justify our behaviors so that we might get an intended result. Yeah. So we see this in culture a lot. I mean, that's easy to think of examples of culture. Um, like a lot of times people think of happiness as an end in itself. And so if it's your own personal happiness, you can justify lots of things. Yeah, I mean, people basically do whatever they want in pursuit of their own happiness, rarely finding it. Right. Um, like, I mean, you hear of people like divorcing because they're like no longer happy. They're not fulfilled anymore. And so it's okay to divorce because of that end. Like, I'd be happier elsewhere. Right. 
Um, like if, you know, people lying on a resume to get a job, stuff like that. I mean, you could think of a bunch of examples. Um, but I'm not going to, cause it's put on the spot. Yeah. And I've also thought about it in war. Like, I feel like we do this in war. Like we can kill these people to hopefully end the war earlier. Maybe we could save more lives and that's why it's okay to like kill these people. Yeah. That's yeah. The preemptive strike mentality. Yeah. So that's how culture will justify doing something wrong because they'll say, well, it's for a good purpose, right? Ultimately. Um, And then, of course, we talked about how this can seep into the church. And a lot of times I think it's people mean really well. Like some examples that came to mind really easily is like evangelism, which is a really good um, thing to do. We're called to share the gospel with people. We're called to make disciples but I've seen people evangelize um, like going back in time again, like in college. I mean, there were people who would just show up on campus, like holding signs that say mean things about the people so that they would come to Jesus. Oh, yeah, and yell, yeah, yeah. Yelling at them. They from would on yell top at of their people podium. and say like mean words to people yeah. in the name of evangelizing them. And didn't really work from what I was seeing. No, it didn't, didn't seem to work, but I think, so let's assume the best of these people. I mean, who knows what their story is, but let's assume that they really thought that they were to evangelize the college students. And so they wanted to get their attention, right? Cause like the purpose is save the college students. So then they can use any means necessary, like yelling at people and being rude. And also like, um, thought of other examples of like evangelism. Sometimes people like bend the gospel message just a little bit to like get people to buy in. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, other examples, like I know some churches have kind of compromised a little bit to get people in the door. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen stories about like churches giving away cars on yeah, but, Easter and stuff. Like but that. does the Bible say don't give away no, it cars on Easter? Say, you know, Yes, I know. Uh, and then I, th- oh, I thought of another one. Like, um, we'll see this sometimes. I know there's a lot of wonderful people who do great things for the pro-life movement. Um, but sometimes people will get so caught up in the idea of like, we need to save these babies that they will not do it in the best way. Let's say that compromise. Um, the means to try to get a certain end. Do I need to show examples? Probably not. No. It's a podcast. We can't show them anything. <laughs> okay. And then I was thinking, well, how how do we look as the church like when we're from the outside? How does it look to people outside the church? Like, what are we in the face of Christ to the church? You know what I mean? Does it look like we justify the means? Does that make sense? How do we look <laughs> to the non-churched population is that what you mean yes in regards to this ends justify the means situation Mm -hmm. not good i would think yeah i mean i don't even think i mentioned politics which is probably for the best but like i think we see this in politics a lot too yeah that must have been a divine intervention there that i didn't include it yeah Okay, well, I won't talk about it very much, but like, I mean, you can kind of picture people kind of get really excited about, oh, well, we need to get like the good Supreme Court justice, therefore we can kind of like compromise this or something. It's like the the end result 
is not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to be faithful to the things God called us, like, you know, 15 of which I just spouted off right now, but there's plenty more in scripture if you need something to do. Which, again, if you listen to our previous podcast, highly recommend reading your Bible. <laughs> read the yeah, Bible. Well, I assume the people that are God's listening word. do read the Bible. Okay. Well, you know what? <laughs> Pick it up. Read a little bit more. Review some stuff. It's always a good idea. Maybe memorize it. Okay. Agreed. I just don't want to insult our lovely listeners. Assume they're not reading the Bible. Well, you know, someone could have just like somehow randomly come across our podcast. Thank you for coming. Glad you're listening. <laughs> uh, highly recommend you Here's read your, your Bible. Away. Yeah. Spend time in God's word. Okay. I found an article that you're going to be interested in. It's by Russell Moore. And if you're not familiar with Russell Moore, he is now the public theologian at Christianity Today, but he used to be the president of Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. And he has a lot of books, stuff like that. And this article is in Plow Magazine, and he it's called Integrity in the Future of the Church. And he's telling his own story. Basically, when he was a teenager, he grew up in Southern evangelicalism and got disheartened, I guess I would say. And so I'm going to read some snippets from it. I was kind of wondering, is this really real? Because of the things that he saw, he says, in, he went through a spiritual crisis because of what I was seeing all around me in Bible Belt Christianity. It's a quote from him. Um, so I'm going to read a little bit about it and it talks about ends justifying the means. So um, he knew he knew Christians doing a lot of things that weren't the best Um, like a lot of hypocrisy, stuff like that. And then he says, and I'm quoting now, this was even more the case with politics. Even as a teenager, I could see that voting guides showed up in Bible Belt America were like horoscopes in the newspaper. Today, you'll find a surprising new opportunity. A certain sort of credulous person is amazed at the accuracy without ever realizing that it's true for virtually everyone virtually every day. Likewise, the voting guides divided the Christian view from the anti-Christian view on a list of issues that just happened to line up with the favored party's platform. Somehow the Bible suddenly offered a Christian view on a balanced budget amendment or a line item veto, things that had never been noticed until the favorite candidates started emphasizing them. And along with all that came apocalyptic warnings if these candidates weren't elected or these policies weren't enacted that we would lose our entire culture. But when the candidate lost, no one headed for the bunkers. The culture didn't fall, at least not any more than it had before. And he said, I started to wonder whether religion itself, or at least the Christianity that showed up in the slogans all around me, might really be about something else, Southern culture or politics. If so, I thought that would mean that Jesus is not the way, the truth, and the life, but a means to an end. And he talks about how the the gospel that they were preaching that was not like well, the gospel that he understood that they were preaching was not, you must be born again, but you must be one of us. And so he basically, he was like, then all this is fake. If this is what it is, like, it's not really Jesus. It's just this fake culture. Right. Right. And I'm going to read a little bit more and I'll be done. He said, um, he read C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis's mere Christianity and the book reoriented my life and faith, he says. What made the difference for me were not its arguments, but something much less describable, its tone and posture. I could tell Lewis was not trying to sell me anything, mobilize me, or prop up Bible Belt culture. His was not a means to an end Christianity, and that was the wardrobe I needed to enter. Um, so I just thought it was interesting 
describing it as a means to an end. Christianity was like the Southern Bible built culture that he saw around him. This is like several decades ago. Yeah. That and what do you that think, it's, Greg? Well, one that's true. That they like are they're working to like enact I'm trying to choose my words carefully. Um they're using Christianity as a platform to like you know enforce quote unquote Christian beliefs yeah, some, on the populace. Yeah, some some politicians or right. stuff. And yeah, and we've talked about how maybe we haven't talked about it. But also it can be used as like a marketing tool too, right? Like Right. Um where some people do use Christianity as a means to an end, like this is how we sell our our Christian t shirts or our Christian music. Or this is how we get this person elected is by like using Christianity. Yeah, I was going to. I was going to say even this is how we sell our non-Christian thing. That's true. By highlighting how people within our organization are Christians, and this is a Christian value, whatever, and it's just you're selling product, man. Like, just own up to it. Anyway. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I think we need to be really careful. I mean, we've talked about this before, but I don't think we can be too careful of being wary of other people trying to like grab Christians, whether it's for marketing purposes or voting purposes, just like this block of people. We need to be careful that we're not being used by somebody else for their own means mm-hmm. to an end. Yeah. Anyway, um, we are like the Christianity is not a means to an end. Christianity, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that's such a different story. And there's so much more freedom and peace in that. I mean, if you really believe you have to create the ends, and I can imagine that's why there's so much anxiety and fear. And do you know what I mean? Yeah, like if, this if you're kind of thing, if your whole world is but moments away from like collapsing because you're not doing a good enough job spreading your specific uh, brand of Christianity or whatever, if you can't convert people to your side faster than the other side, quote unquote, is converting people to their side, then you lose like that's I can see how that would be very terrifying, but that's not how it works. Yeah. And we've talked about like the benefit of knowing church history and just kind of understanding that God is taking care of all of this. So when we see things like, you know, the number of people going to church is like slipping or something like this, some kind of thing that is concerning in our culture we don't need to freak out and try to like take everything into our own hands. Like Christianity has survived many things before. It's not going to disappear now. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't care and like try other things to, um, you know, to encourage people to know Christ and go to church and stuff like that. But the, the level of responsibility we have, like we really need to relax about that because God can handle 
and God will protect and preserve his own church, for example. He, he, he's God. Like, yeah. he is all-powerful. He's God and we are not. That's right. like the summary. Yep. But it's such a good thing. Like, I want, this is, this, this is such a message of, like, grace. Like, it should be, like, relaxing. Like, fall into the arms of your father kind of thing because, because he's taking care of everything. We don't have to. Um, it's very free. It really is. So that kind of leads us into like how it can apply to our parenting. And it be basically we can understand our responsibility differently because we're responsible to be faithful as parents and do what we can to be godly parents. We're not responsible for our kids' actions, words, salvation, etc. Like we're not. <laughs> yeah, cuz we can't control them any more than we can control like the birds in the tree cuz they act of their own accord like yeah so we can teach them as we go along the way and everything but yes and we should we're responsible for that right but what whether our kids respond that's up to god and our kid yeah so in some ways that's really really freeing um of course even if we did everything perfectly as a parent that wouldn't guarantee our child would turn out perfectly because god's a perfect parent and we're not perfect so that shows that there's no like there's no guarantee we're called to be faithful and the end result is not up to us um it takes so much off our plate when i was back in the day when we had lots of little kids i guess we we had a couple of little kids it was like you would um felt like lots of running around really fast it was just like how many are there it's making me tired thinking about it um you kind of joke like I don't know. I think like some of the moms in the moms group or people online or something would joke like, oh, well, like, like my kids are alive. Good day. Like I survived the day. Like they still have three kids or whatever. The joke being like at minimum, like I kept the kids alive. So that was my job and I did it. And it it's like a joke. But when our, um, <laughs> when our 15 month old had a brain tumor and was like, to the point where, you know. Yeah, very near death. Yes. God showed me, I can't keep my kid alive. Like, I might have thought that was my goal for the day. Like, the very minimum, at least I need to, like, keep these kids alive, right? Hopefully I'll do something more. But when they're little, at least they're alive. Actually, keeping him alive is not something that I was responsible for. Nor something I could do. And... I think that's just really helpful to recognize like where our roles and responsibilities are and like back it off yeah. <laughs> a whole lot from where we think it is. Cause we don't even keep our kids alive. Obviously we're supposed to be responsible parents, all that kind of stuff, put the matches away and the knives and stuff. But yeah, like hydro dangerous we chemicals. don't, we can't keep our kids alive if we want to. I mean, I learned that right. Like, so <laughs> Again, <laughs> still be diligent in doing what you can, uh, you know, but yeah, ultimately. So our, yeah, so our job as parents is to just be faithful followers of Christ and teach that to our kids, right? As best we can. Right. I also thought about this, but this is way more like sad and condemning is like, have we ever like parented in a way where we're like, we kind of like compromise our means to get to an end, which surely we have like, you know, like yelling at a kid to like get them to stop doing something or like 
being rude or something to like get them to like behave a certain way or whatever. So if you haven't already found <laughs> conviction in this, you can use take take that away. And then also I thought, how do we teach our kids? Like, do we ever teach our kids to compromise something for a greater end? Like in school or in sports or something, do we ever let them compromise to get further in some situation? Do you know what I mean? I'm not asking for like... <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a rhetorical question. Yeah. Our kids homeschool. <laughs> <laughs> So obviously we don't have that problem. I'm joking. Do you think we've covered it? Do you think everyone's convinced, Greg? Oh, I don't know, but we've certainly given them food for thought. <laughs> you know, whether or not they are convinced is not our responsibility. Right. That's why we're just, just being faithful yeah, to our calling to tell them. Gave them things to think about. <laughs> um, something to mentally chew on, I guess. And, ruminate um read your bible <laughs> <laughs> all right um it's a delightful time talking with you all it's always delightful greg do you want to do the benediction sure now may our god and father himself and our lord jesus direct our way to you and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Thanks for listening. We appreciate all of our listeners and are praying for you. If you'll take two minutes to rate and review our brand new podcast, we would be so grateful. For more information on today's episode, head to theologymeetsreality.com. Until next time, follow Christ, not culture.